Welcome to the Drop-Off. Epic conversations about the workforce of today and the talent of tomorrow. Featuring candid, pointed conversations with influential business leaders. Here's your host, Nicole Real. Thanks for tuning in to The Drop-Off. I'm Nicole Real, and today I'm pleased to welcome Colin Stewart, founder and CEO of STEM Child Care, an educational preschool offering a STEM-focused curriculum to infants, toddlers, and preschoolers in Castle Rock, Colorado. He holds a bachelor's degree from Princeton, an MPH degree from Columbia, and an MBA from Dartmouth. Wow. Prior to working in the education sector, Colin held revenue-generating roles at United Healthcare Group and DaVita and was also an investment banker at Goldman Sachs and Citigroup. Colin is also an EPIC executive member and board member. Well, thank you for joining us today, Colin. Glad to be here. Awesome. Okay, well, we're going to dive in, and I always start with just a little bit of personal and professional background information with folks. Okay. Um, we've interviewed a lot of great business leaders on this podcast so far, and everyone comes with a really interesting background and journey. Um, and I would say yours is definitely one of those as well. A little unique, yes. Yes. You've had a nice grand tour of Ivy League schools with your education. I think you've worked in, you know, uh, some great organizations as well. So just love to hear from you, like, what has your personal and professional journey been what led you to become involved in childcare and owning the STEM preschool program? All right. So, yes, I, I do have a very non-traditional background when it comes to the education sector. I grew up in New York City. My family immigrated from South America uh, when I was two. Growing up on the East Coast, you have a very intense culture around education. Right. It's uh, very much more intense than it is out here. Everyone talks about Ivy League schools. Everybody talks about, you know, studying for the PSAT and the SAT and going off to all of these great graduate schools. Right. So, you know, from an early age, that was very much instilled in me, especially from, you know, my parents that, you know, immigrant work ethic. You know, you have to work hard for everything that you're, you're going to get in life. Nothing's going to be handed to you. Right. So, you know, getting into good schools was kind of a given. It was a prerequisite. It's everything you worked towards. Right. As a youngster, yeah. uh, very much had that mentality along with the mentality that uh, I understand that I'm going to need to develop lots of other skills in order to have increasing responsibility. And, you know, with that responsibility, increasing pay. So looking to gain as many skills through different professional experiences and school, right? So, you know, after my stints in corporate and finance, um, also worked in a startup environment, uh, which was really great. I wanted to do something for myself. So when I was ready to embark on an entrepreneurial journey, right, there are several things that are important to me. And any venture that I'm a part of is uh, adding value uh, as well as making a difference, right? There were several opportunities that uh, I was contemplating uh, when I was thinking about whether to enter the education sector. You know, one of the things that became very apparent to me as I visited tons of preschools and daycare centers throughout Colorado uh, was the, you know, lack of business presence, business acumen, right? The majority of the owners of these childcare centers were educators, right? They had a passion for the field of early education, but not necessarily the business skills to operate a company successfully, right? And I, mm -hmm. I, I see that that is 
one of the largest challenges that we face today. I know we can uh, talk at length about all of the the various challenges, but that's really why uh, I got involved. I saw that there was no one that was trying to teach our youngsters, our you know zero to five population, about STEM concepts. And STEM is science, technology, engineering, and math. Right? These are concepts that I learned at a very early age, uh, and I think it helped prepare me for success, right, academically and professionally. So I really wanted to fill that void, and I, I thought a fresh perspective on the industry is what was needed. Now that's really interesting, and I think. You know, you talk about needing that combination of passion for education and business acumen. And, you know, we'll get into this a little bit more, but the childcare industry in particular is very complicated from a revenue perspective. Very much so. Did that surprise you coming into this industry? I mean, you've done some pretty complicated things in your roles with, you know, working on Wall Street and, and all the roles you've had in the private sector. You know, did that surprise you? And what else surprised you when you came into this industry? Sure, I think that's a great question. Uh, so, uh, the complex nature of running the business and generating enough revenue to balance your expenses, that wasn't a surprise to me. Uh, I, I developed a very sophisticated model prior to getting into the business. The most surprising thing to me was workforce. Obviously, I think it's an industry where retention and recruitment is consistently higher, like a, more of a challenge, I should say, than other industries, Correct. right? You're always trying to hire and and build and develop those skill sets. But is that because of the wages? Is that like a key piece of that? Or do you feel like it's also just inherently finding those individuals who have that passion, who also can get into the industry? Like what's, what's that push and pull there? Uh, you know, I wish I had the answer for that. Uh, I think it's a combination of factors. Um, I think, you know, the wages can be considered a challenge, mm -hmm. but I found ways to pay above market for my staff. It's the flexibility that folks want. Um, not everybody wants to work the shifts that are necessary to stay open. I know my school's open 12 hours a day, mm -hmm. right? So it's, it's a challenge to, you know, not schedule people to work more than eight-hour days, but have full coverage across all of your classrooms for 12 hours, right? It's a yeah. challenge yeah. that families can, you know, pick up and drop off their kids whenever they feel like. Right. That causes other staffing challenges because we have to be prepared. Right. Regardless of if everybody shows up as soon as we're open. Right. Or if everybody waits until the last minute to pick up. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about your program and the business that you own and run. It's in Castle Rock, Colorado. Yes, we're sitting on nearly two acres. We have an 11,000 square foot facility with 11 classrooms. Uh, we take infants as early as six weeks uh, and preschoolers up to six years old uh, on uh, summers and um, school breaks. We also allow for children up to 13 to uh, partake in our programs. Okay. So at the, you know, the busiest time of year, how many children in your school total maximum? And then how many staff members do you have on payroll? Busiest time of the year uh, is definitely early summer, right? Right before a lot of your five-year-olds go off to school. Uh, and, you know, we have a capacity of 160 kids and, you know, we were in the 140-ish range uh, in June. Uh, and then you typically will lose a lot of your five-year-olds. Uh, this year we lost a lot, I think 42 students. 
So, you know, you have to always be enrolling, you know, doing tours, uh, recruiting new teachers in terms of staffing to require that roughly around 40 uh, staff members. Okay. Right. Yeah. I have a, an administrative team of uh, about five people uh, and the rest are teachers. Yeah. So a big crew that mm-hmm. you've got over there. Very much so. a few students. Mm-hmm. So Castle Rock is in Douglas County, which is also a fairly affluent county in it Colorado. Um, but we also know that child care issues abound for families across the state, regardless of where they live. Absolutely. So I'm curious about what your program is seeing in terms of, you know, demand and supply locally. You know, what are some of the stories you're hearing from from parents and or the community around child care and the needs that they have? Absolutely. The the community needs more child care, right? The demand is very strong, especially for infants and toddlers, right? This is nothing new. Most schools have the fewest infant and toddler spots compared to their preschool slots, right? And the rationale for that is that it takes more staff members to take care of infants and toddlers. You have a five to one uh, staffing ratio versus three-year-olds are 10 to one, mm-hmm. five-year-olds are 15 to one. Right, so it's it's very much more costly to take care of infants and toddlers. Right. Uh, I've actually relicensed some of my classrooms to have more toddler availability, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because that's very much in demand, and your infant and toddlers they will supply your older children, you know, as time goes on, right? So the better job you do taking care of those families, then you you won't have trouble enrolling the older kids. Right. That's like your matriculation, if you will, right? Yeah. Um, I've always, and I've had people ask me, well, why can't they just put more babies into a room? And, you know, I say, well, I would invite anyone who wants to try feeding eight or 10 infants at once in a room (laughs) with a couple of staff members um, to let me know how they feel about that afterwards. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> it, it really is an, an exercise in, in organization uh, and your ability to withstand crying. Yes, yes. Because we know that all the babies will be hungry at mm-hmm. the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and for babies who need a bottle, that's a little bit of a challenge when you only have two adults and, you know. Absolutely. And, and, and that's, <laughs> that's another reason we, we typically are overstaffed uh, mm-hmm. so that we can have a helping hand come into a classroom yeah. when things are going a little haywire. Right. Which makes a big difference, it I does. think. And it I think does. from the perspective of teachers working in the child care industry and early education, you know, how do you help them balance those mental health needs that they have and challenges of working with children nonstop, right? Hearing crying all day long mm-hmm. or, you know, dealing with children who may be having some behavioral challenges. It's certainly not an easy job, right? Yeah. And we recognize that. Uh, we give our staff a lot of paid time off. Um, you know, we, we do things to make life a bit easier. If we know mm-hmm. you're, you know, having a, a rough go from personal situations, maybe we'll take you out of your classroom for a week and let you just kind of float around, help give, you know, breaks, uh, mm-hmm. just to take your stress level down a little bit. It's, it's, it's a very demanding job. You know, we, we try to do our part to make it easier, uh, for our staff members. Right. Try to yeah. just create a, a a culture of care and compassion, you know, not just for the students, but also for us, for our faculty. Yeah. Have you seen some early childhood teachers who left the profession maybe during the pandemic or after the pandemic and have come started to come back to the industry or 
Are there any observations you have around that piece? So un- unfortunately, I have not seen a lot of those teachers return. No. The majority of uh, teachers in the market for a new job right now don't have a ton of experience. Got right. It. So, so you're um, retraining. I'm doing a lot of training. Yeah. Absolutely. I have uh, an EC coach um, that's helping us. Uh, shout out to Marianne for uh, putting me in touch with her. It's, it's a lot of training and retraining um, constantly. Right. Well, and it's important that they get all of that training and knowledge, right? Because they are doing an important job and you want to make sure that, you know, they're trained not only for the health and safety of children, but they're also educating these, these young human beings as well. I'm curious, you know, I want to dig into the business model a little bit here mm-hmm. because, of course, you know, we have families in Douglas County, Colorado that can afford to pay, you know, market rates and certainly can afford maybe what some would deem as more expensive, you know, childcare, which I think childcare is just expensive to deliver in general. It so is. let's talk about that business model a little bit. I want to like take that a apart a little bit since, you know, you know this intimately. Absolutely. You know, a big piece of your um, expense every month is obviously payroll. Absolutely. That is the largest expense for everyone uh, (laughs) in this industry. Yeah. So, you know, what does that look like for the industry? I think, you know, you probably have a better sense of it uh, having operated this, this business for a while now. Yes. You know, is it getting better? Is it getting worse? You know, we've got a lot of conversations happening in the media, too, about this child care funding cliff and a lot of the, fu- the federal funding that came to the industry and is now going to be stopping. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Funding to the industry being cut off is certainly going to be a problem. Uh, and it's going to be a problem that everyone feels. I'd say you are doing a great job managing your uh, facility if your payroll is under 60% of your total expenses, right? And it's very yeah. challenging to get it there because uh, inflation, right? The cost of everything uh, is higher these days. And uh, everyone that you interview, regardless of experience, wants to be paid the top end of your range. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, you talk about trying to get expenses down, but at the same time, like keeping your payroll expenses down means you have to pay teachers less and you're competing with a market out there as well. So what does that market look like locally for you? Like, you know, what are some of those nearby retailers paying versus what you're able to offer an early childhood teacher? Absolutely. So uh, retailers in the area are, uh, you know, paying anywhere from 15 to $19 an hour. Uh, other childcare centers are typically paying in the 17 to 21, maybe $22 an hour. And uh, we pay 20 to 25. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a competitive market out there. It is. Right? And, Not to yeah. mention benefits. Uh, you know, we, we offer top tier medical, dental, vision, uh, two weeks paid time off. And your time off increases with your seniority, 401ks, everything we can think of, mm-hmm. we try to do for our employees. Yeah, which is great Just because to make, there are make also things easier for them. many programs that can't even afford to offer benefits for their teachers. Um, In terms of supporting families and their affordability, obviously, you've got your market rates that you, you know, post and set out there for people to pay. But what about families who have lower household incomes? Um, are you able to work with them at all? Absolutely, absolutely. So that, that's that's a big point of pride for me uh, to participate in the CCAP program, right, child care assistance program uh, for low-income families, uh, as well as the UPK program, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I understand 
understand as a parent of two kids under two, uh, I understand the challenge um, of managing your household with, you know, little ones that rely on you, uh, how expensive it is, um, and that the cost of childcare is prohibitive for a lot of families, right? Uh, in addition to uh, participating in those programs, uh, we also offer the largest sibling discount uh, available, right? We offer 20% off um, your older children's uh, tuition. The max I see everywhere else is 5%. Yeah. That's a big help to a family that has two children enrolled, which Correct. I think is, you know, oftentimes the scenario for mm -hmm. families. And oftentimes, you know, maybe they can make it work when they have one child in child care, but the minute they have a second, oftentimes that's when Someone we see a parent drop home. out of the workforce. Correct. Correct. Right. Because right. the math doesn't work at that point. Right. And, yeah. and we're, we're mindful of that. We're mm -hmm. always trying to do things to, you know, keep tuition costs down. Yeah. Um, but we also have a business to run, right? And uh, yeah. what we'll see is that, you know, typically uh, we set the rates in Castle Rock because I love math. Right. And I'm constantly <laughs> thinking about, yeah. you know, uh, forecasting how much things are going to cost in the coming months, in the coming year. Uh, so I have a good sense of, you know, where tuition needs to be. Yeah. Obviously, you've seen wages increase, but have you seen other costs increase as well? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So wa wages, extent, I mean, every, <laughs> everything is up. I mean, wages uh, are up more than 40% pre-pandemic. The costs, so we uh, have chefs on site and make all of our uh, food for our kids, breakfast, lunch, snacks um, from scratch. So our food costs uh, are anywhere from 50 to 100% higher than wow. they were uh, pre-pandemic. And just general supplies. Um, yeah. uh, I, I'd say general supplies are, are up 20 to 25%, um, having come down slightly from um, the peak mm -hmm. uh, during the pandemic. Like yeah. during the pandemic, getting gloves and other PPE was very hard to come by. Yeah. Right. So they were super expensive. But now that the supply has increased, uh, cost has come down a little bit. Um, okay. But just yeah. across the board, uh, property taxes, uh, you know, uh, any, any, anyone, everything, <laughs> taxes, everything, everything is right? going up. Yes. Everything's going up. So it makes it more challenging. Yeah. And, you know, we, we constantly are in this debate about wanting to make childcare more affordable. Mm -hmm. Right. But uh, everything costs more. How do we find this balance? Where is that additional money coming from? Right, right, exactly. And I think that's why that's why we dig into this with our Building Up initiative at Epic, because we understand we've seen this supply dwindle in Colorado, despite the Absolutely. fact that the demand has continued to increase. So we have what might what some might consider a broken market system there. And again, thinking about the fact that oftentimes in this business model, well, all the time in this business model, wages are by far your biggest expense. But again, we want to make sure this is a field that people want to be in, Correct. that they are seeing this as a career path, Correct. that they're they staying in this wage. career, they have yes. a living wage, exactly. So, you know, if bringing expenses down on the wage side is not something that we want to do, then we have to look at other expenses Agreed. to bring down, or you have to bring in other revenue, Agreed. right? And I think parents are probably paying the max they can. I'm sure it's a struggle for many families. Agreed. And so thinking about that piece, what do you think our ideal scenario is here in Colorado and even nationally? Like what should we be thinking about here to really solve this math problem that we have? 
so solving the, the, the math problem of funding child care, um, probably above my pay grade. Um, it's <laughs> very, very political <laughs> in terms of, you know, how money is getting appropriated. Yeah. Um, well, what I can say is that part of what's driving additional cost is workforce development issues. Right, having to hire more administrators um, than we should because capacity isn't there. Right, the mm-hmm. the capacity, the um, productivity, uh, being able to manage multiple work streams. Right, the the other thing too is uh, having to hire more teachers than you need to be able to run your business when several people call out sick. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And and that's you have been to have like that buffer or that correct. kind of bench capacity. Correct. Correct. So, yeah. you know, if more folks showed up every day, um, there was more reliability in, in that workforce, you wouldn't have to spend all these extra dollars carrying a larger team than you actually need. Um, I think there's also a really great opportunity uh, for software to help solve uh, some of the challenges of operating mm-hmm. um, a childcare center, right? There are just so many uh, processes and tasks, um, not just to maintain regulatory compliance, but to just run your business um, efficiently that is is really a, a dramatic burden on, on administrators. I mean, it's a lot of how I spend my time with my team. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I'm hearing you say that, like, yes, we do need – Probably some solutions at the policy level that yes. look at, you know, how we fund our system and access and affordability for families. But we also need to think about how we streamline some of our regulatory systems to make Agreed. those more efficient, you know, have less leakage, so to speak, in terms of our staff time and or other expenses being directed towards addressing those pieces. Um, And then one thing we've also talked about, I know, is, you know, what's the cost of the occupancy for these child care businesses as well? Colorado has a lot of commercial property taxes. And, you know, that's certainly a space where we feel like there might be some opportunity to think about how we could address that expense for child care businesses as well. Definitely. Curious from your perspective, too, how many families or what percentage of your families do you serve through the child care assistance program? Do you have to limit that and why? And then also thoughts on universal preschool. You know, I think it's uh, it's certainly been popular with families. We've seen tremendous enrollment, you know, so we'd love to hear a little bit about that. Uh, sure. So uh, in terms of CCAP enrollment, um, probably in the 8 to 10% range. The way to think about that is every school that accepts CCAP is losing money on every CCAP slot. Right, CCAP is even in Douglas County, which uh, pays higher uh, than other counties. Uh, you're still being reimbursed on a you know per day of attendance as opposed to per slot, right? So yeah. if my so just off the bat, you're accepting a sixty percent discount. Yeah, and then if those families don't show up every day, it just keeps going down more and more and more. Got it. So they're paying you less to care for those children than, say, for example, a family would be paying market rate. Correct. But then they're also only paying you for days that they actually attend the program. Correct. And then there's Even the administrative Even though you're still paying for staff burden. and yes. keeping the lights on, Nothing's all changed. those pieces, right? Private there's- pay families pay per month with their tuition, I'm guessing? The majority okay. per month and yeah. some, some weekly. Yeah. So there's also some potential there to lose 
revenue if, say, for example, their child gets sick and they can't attend school. Absolutely. You are penalized, essentially. Correct. Even though we have locked off that spot just for that family. Yeah. Right. And in terms of of UPK, uh, I think there's a lot that's great about the program. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we are putting um, too much responsibility onto the providers uh, for the matching process and, you know, uh, having to check the portal every week, getting emails saying that we have new matches when there are no new matches and having to reach out to families, tell them they have to click this button so they can move on in the process. I I think there's opportunity to streamline it, but uh, from a, you know, Paying as they agreed to pay perspective and timely, no issues. Um, That's great to hear. It, yeah. No issues there. Uh, yep. I think And they're paying by the month. Correct. Correct. Okay. Awesome. Correct. Yes. So no, I would say that's one attendance. huge improvement um, to say that they're, you know, they're recognizing that there is that fixed cost associated with serving that child and family. Yes. Uh, yeah. I'd say the, the only feedback I have is that I wish families understood that, you know, we're taking on a greater administrative burden to participate in the UPK program, uh, and they should be patient as we, you know, process right. everything we have to do and then issue the credits on their bills. Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's, it's a new system for everyone to Correct. learn, I'm Correct. sure. Right. Um, and so hopefully that will also get better over time. Agreed. You know, I, someone was asking me about this, and I said, you know, it's it's you're building a brand new system from the very get-go here. And we have built what's called a mixed delivery system in Colorado, which for people who aren't familiar with that, that's really saying, you know, we're putting the choice into the hands of families to decide, do they choose preschool in a community-based preschool setting or a public school setting, right? Really um, giving them some options there. But that also required Colorado to build what is essentially a a brand new system for accommodating that choice. Essentially a marketplace. (laughs) A marketplace, exactly. So, and we just stress tested that system with what is probably the best participation we've ever seen across the country in Agreed. year one of a universal preschool program, Agreed. which is very, about 62%. Very, very successful from, <laughs> from that perspective. Yeah. So, you know, I think um, I, I'm sure it will continue to improve in terms of the family's experience and hopefully the provider's experience as well. But also excited to see that, you know, families are able to really make those choices Based on what works for for their kiddos and their Absolutely. family situation, Absolutely. and not everybody's situation you know, is the same. Yeah, exactly. Um, awesome. Well, you know, I want to wrap up here with just talking about you, you and your involvement with Epic. Okay. You know, you're an Epic member. You're on our board. It's been awesome to have you involved, and I love the perspective that you bring, both in terms of you know your experience having worked in the private sector, but also actually owning and operating a child care program and early education facility. So why Epic? Why are you part of this work? Uh, absolutely. So uh, I think anyone that is serious about um, affecting change in early childhood, um, not just in Colorado, but across the country, needs to be an Epic supporter, right? Uh, I remember meeting you for the first time in 2020 during COVID. Uh, I was looking for an organization 
of like-minded individuals that understood the challenge that the industry was facing. And I, I didn't know where to turn, right? So I reached out to you. Uh, I think we had a 20-minute uh, meeting on the books. And two hours later, yep. uh, we had such a fantastic conversation. I was just really excited about everything you guys are doing, right? So, you know, that's why I joined as an executive member. Um, and I was very happy when you uh, asked me to join the board um, last year. So, you know, I'm happy to serve any way I can. Um, and I encourage anyone else. Um, really, uh, Epic is the gold standard uh, in this industry. Um, you guys are very thoughtful. Uh, you understand how to reach across the aisle and talk to all sorts of politicians and really distill things down uh, to its most basic level that everyone can understand, right? And without childcare, we don't have a workforce. Yeah. That's the bottom line, right? That is the bottom line. <laughs> it's what makes everything else work and move in our society. Correct. Thank you to Colin for your support. You know, we appreciate having you on the board. We appreciate your perspective. But we also really appreciate the amazing work that you're doing for our community, the impact you're making, the impact your employees and the teachers who work with you are making as well. Um, it is obviously going to have a long-lasting impact in our community and for children and families and uh, are just looking forward to continuing our work together. So. Absolutely. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, thank you, Colin, for joining us on The Drop-Off. Epic conversations about the workforce of today and the talent of tomorrow. We appreciate your dedication, and we look forward to talking to you next time. Excellent. The Drop-Off is a production of Executives Partnering to Invest in Children. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. For more information about our organization, visit coloradoepic.org. Thank you.